We are going to continue in our message series. Actually, we're concluding the series today in the book of James. And so if you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to find that. You're in the New Testament. Near the end of the New Testament, you always want to remember that the Bible is not a book. It's a library of books, 66 books in this library. And uh, 39 in the first portion called the Old Testament and 27 in the second portion we call the New Testament. And uh, James is a letter. It's written by, funny enough, a guy named James and writing to uh, believers predominantly. And uh, we've spent the last 10 weeks and now we're going to wrap up picking up at verse um, 13. The wind blew my page over here. Here we go. Uh, Chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, invite you to follow along with me. I use the, I read from the New Living uh, Translation of the Bible, but um, one of many good translations. He says this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other that, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. All right, I want to ask you a question. You can respond to this one. When you think of somebody like, well, when you think of a Navy SEAL or or perhaps uh, some other special forces personnel, what comes to mind for you? Like, what do you think of when you think about that person? Strength, brave, right? Yeah, resolve, tough, uh, endurance, all those things. Um, now, we as, uh, we as Christians, it, you know, the New Testament metaphor sometimes is that we are the Lord's army. And so when you think about God's army, who do you think of as the special forces in God's army? What would be the equivalent of a, of a seal? Probably you would think of the prayer warrior, right? We even use they kind of even use that language in there, the the prayer warrior. They're they're sometimes we call them intercessors. These are people that are devoted to prayer. The you know they got to wear patches, add patches to their their jeans because they wear it out on their knees, and you know they got a list and they know the name of everybody in in political office because they're praying for them, and they've got prayer calendars and they pray through all the items in their prayer calendars. Many of you have have been those people, those prayer. Warriors. I've got folks who, surprising number of you have said, hey, we pray for you every day. Hey, we pray for your kids. We pray for your, your marriage. And man, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Those prayer warriors are essential uh, to us and to the body of Christ. So I'm grateful. Nothing happens without it being, I believe, really prayed into existence. I always love telling the story. Becky and I love telling the story of when we were planning a church that honestly began... Uh, quickly and it just was big right away and just everything was just wild we just beyond our wildest expectations and we knew that we were 
nothing special to do that. But we had, I remember in particular, a couple of conversations where someone had said, oh, we've been praying for five years that a church would start in this neighborhood. We're like, oh, we didn't actually do any of the work. <laughs> it was already all done before we even got here because it was done in prayer. So I'm grateful for those people. But do you believe or would you believe that prayer works even if you're not on God's SEAL team? Even if you're not one of God's prayer warriors? Would you believe that effective prayer is the domain of every believer, every Christian? This is what James has recorded for us in this, this passage. Effective prayer is for all of us. James, you know, we just read that whole section and, and James you know, he, he's wrapping up this letter that he's written with some very practical guidance uh, for us, some practical advice for his readers. The Holy Spirit, who inspires all of Scripture, is telling us this important thing that we have access to the healing power of God through the prayer of faith. None of it just happens. You actually have to participate in prayer. You think about, you know, right there, verse 13, it starts right there. Of any of you suffering hardships... You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Now, you may not realize this or may not like to admit it, but your emotions, the emotions that you have, are a gift from God. The up emotions and the down emotions, they're given to you by the Lord. And they're meant to be expressed, not tucked away, not hidden, not buried in some way, including when we gather. And so... um, it wasn't until I kind of, after I was kind of reviewing this, this may not quite make sense. So give me a moment to explain it. Um, you want to say it this way. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. In terms of when we come to the Lord in prayer or when we gather, take off the masks. Now, I'm not talking about the COVID masks, but it's a pretty good metaphor for what I'm talking about here. It, the mask is what we talk, is this emotional cover that hides how we're really feeling. It hides our emotional realities, right? You, you have to be, in your life, you've got to be in places where you can be real, where you can be honest, where you can be authentic. And the gathering of God's people is really supposed to be that place. I sometimes have heard people say, well, you, know, you just can't be real at church. You know, I don't, I, I'm afraid I'm going to be judged. I just, I just can't let my, my real thing going and so someone says how are you doing and all you your only answer is fine i'm fine i'm fine 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 right and we know that's not true when folks say i i can't be real at church i i don't actually believe that i think you can be real we just choose not to we we want to hide because of fear or maybe you did have a bad experience you opened up you shared something and and someone said well that's yeah you can't think that way or you can't feel that way that's due to their immaturity not not yours i mean if if someone were to, to stand here and, and share testimony or if if one of your friends this morning you said hey how are you doing and they and they said honestly i'm doing terrible i'm i'm just totally down with depression right now or oh honestly i don't know like i'm my marriage is a mess like whatever you brought i bet you, you would not call that person and say i can't believe you would do that get out of here You'd be like, oh, can I pray for you? How can I help you? Is there anything you, you, you need help with? Can I help with your kids? You would actually help them. I know you would. So it's refreshing when, when, when someone really shares what's going on in their life and opens up. And, and we empathize with that. 
And so the point is that as we gather as a body, those of us in hard times, James says, come for prayer. Those of us who are kind of living in blessing, we, we come with praises. But if you hide your emotions always, if you hide all that, you'll never break through. You'll never kind of come to that place where you, you, you see someone else who just, man, they just look like they connect with God and worship and they're having a great time. You think, man, I, I, how come I never experienced that? It's about letting that guard down, taking off that emotional mask. And obviously there's limits in bigger gatherings. And so that's why we, we see the value in a, in a small group setting. And, and, and educational settings are good, like Bible studies and classes. But those places where it's okay to spill some tears with no mask. And we talked about, you know, if you're going to use the metaphor of our, our COVID face coverings, you know that you're, you know, you can't quite see someone's emotional state when they got that on. Are they happy to see you? Or are they frowning that you're there? Or that what's really going on behind there? And uh, I find that now I'm even having a hard time recognizing people and forgetting names because I can't, I've forgotten what they look like. Right. By the way, let me just make a comment about COVID masks. Okay, because it's been such a divisive issue. If you're a non-mask person, you've got to extend lots of grace to the folks that are, are really working hard at protecting themselves and others through wearing the mask. It's fine. And if you're a mask person, you need to not accuse the non-mask people of trying to kill grandma. Like, every side does the research and makes their decision, and I can give you as much support for one as for the other. So tons of grace, okay? Tons of grace and a little space. How about that? That should be our new saying. Tons of grace and a little space. There we go. Write that one down so I don't forget that. I like that. All right. Now, if you're sick, it says, Paul, uh, uh, James says here, that, that we should call for the leaders of the church to pray for your healing. There, this is not prayer for comfort or pray for wisdom, or prayer for direction, or prayer for strength. This is prayer for healing. This is prayer for healing, recovery from that illness. And I confess, I'll tell you right now, I struggle with this passage. I have a hard time with this passage because I've, uh, I've prayed for people. I've, I've anointed with oil. I've prayed for lots of them. And lots of times there's been no recovery that I can see, no change that I can see. And I, that's hard for me. And there is a mystery in prayer that I do not understand. You can think of loved ones right now, folks, from our own congregation that have gone to be with the Lord, you say, Lord, why not? Like, we prayed. We had all the faith we could muster. We, we know we did the right thing praying for them, and yet they weren't physically healed. God, why? There's a mystery to that that we don't understand. It's not ours to know. But sometimes they are healed. I love what John Wimber used to say. He said, when we prayed for no one, no one got healed. When we prayed for lots of people, some got healed. So some is better than none. I had a, a, one of our, our um, friends in the Philippines, Pastor Euler. We've, you've heard me talk about him before. He reached out to me a couple of weeks ago. Say, hey, could you pray for my, my son? You know, he's not well. And so I asked him for a little bit of information. So I, I prayed for little Philip. And uh, a week or so later, I, I messaged him back. said, hey, how's, how's Philip doing? He said, oh, by the next day, he was just fine. Woke up and, and everything. You know, he was, he was better. He's been no pain since. Like, thank you, Lord. I wasn't even there. I didn't anoint him with oil. I wasn't present. He was literally on the other side of the world. But God answered those prayers. And I and many others were praying for him. So, so okay, so sometimes folks are healed. Let's ask this. What does the healing, what actually does the healing when it happens? He says, 
First of all, call for the elders. Okay, so does it matter and depend on who does the praying? Is that is that the issue? Uh, he says that the elders should anoint you with oil when prayer is offered. Is it is it the oil? Is it some kind of formula or superstition? I've got a little vial of oil with me. I tell you, there's nothing magical or superstitious about the oil. It this actually has a little peach fragrance to it. It's quite nice. If you want to receive prayer afterward, be happy to pray for you and anoint you with oil. Not ounces and ounces of it, but a little drop is a symbol. The oil is simply symbolic of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't actually matter. Remember, years ago we had prayed for a gal and she was healed of hepatitis C, which is not something you get over. It's once you have it, you, you have it the rest of your life. But she, she was healed. She came to me after she got a clear test and she said, I've been healed. I don't have hepatitis C anymore. I've been healed. I said, oh, that's great. She goes, yeah, it was the oil. The oil healed me. I'm like, no, no, it wasn't the oil. <laughs> we prayed in faith. And God did the healing. In fact, it doesn't matter. It's not who prays. It's not the oil that's used. It's, it's the prayer offered in faith that appeals to the Lord who does the healing. That's what he, verse 15, he actually says that we should pray for one another. So he says, call for the elders. But then he goes on to say, well, just pray for each other. Confess your sins to each other so that you'll be healed. And there's no kind of hierarchy of more powerful prayers. I I would write it this way. The prayer of faith is effective. If you're writing it down, underline the word faith. The prayer of faith is effective. And not only for healing, according to this, but even for the forgiveness of sins, if there is sin to be given. Sometimes we have we take on a bit of a mentality of karma, you know, like not a Christian doctrine at all. But this idea of like, well, when bad things happen to you, it must be because you did something bad. So, you know, what kind of goes around, comes around. That's not a Christian doctrine at all. We think, well, did this person do something or, or, you know, is this payback? No. Now, according to Jesus and according to the Apostle Paul, sometimes... Sin is at the root or is the cause of suffering and illness. Sometimes the consequences of sin are the cause of an illness. I had an uncle who was a lifelong smoker. And, and guess what kind of cancer he got when he was, when he was older? Lung cancer. And that wasn't a trick question, by the way. Uh, right? So that was the consequence. We, prayed, we still prayed for his healing. But... But sin is not necessarily or even not even usually the cause of that illness. We live in a fallen world. Painful things happen. And it seems to usually happen to people who deserve it the least. Right. You think about the nicest people, you know, and why are they going through that? You know, you've heard of somebody who's just a sweet family and and their house burned down. You think, how does that happen? Because we live in a fallen world and terrible things happen. There's a there's a great episode in the Gospels where some guys bring their their friend who's paralyzed, they bring him to Jesus for healing. And, and, and Jesus looks at him, he has compassion on him, and, and, and he doesn't heal him. He says, your sins are forgiven. He forgives his sins. And then he says, oh, but to know that I actually have the power to do that, you're also healed, get up and walk. There's, there's, we need both physical healing, but we also need spiritual healing. And the spiritual healing is more important than the physical Getting our heart right with God is better than, you know, getting your physical body well. 
getting right with Jesus is more important. So verse 16 says we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. So we, when we hide behind unconfessed sin, it becomes a barrier to what God wants to do in our lives. So bottom line, it's prayer offered in faith that heals if there is to be healing. That's part of what God has planned for this person. Okay, so prayer and faith. Well, what does it make it a, a, a prayer of faith? What, what kind of prayer is a faith prayer? Is it complicated? Is it lengthy? Maybe, maybe you've got to use King James language. Maybe you need to lower your voice and pray in a more holy, slow way. Because the Lord has a voice like that. And so he identifies with that. Now pray this way. No, no. Just be yourself. Being, I was going to say be normal, but there is no such thing as normal. Not, not uh, you know, I don't think there is, none of us are normal. So let's just accept that. Just be yourself, right? Verse 16, look at verse 16 again. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I'm going to put it this way. Identity trumps results. You could write that down too. Identity, or sorry, identity trumps effort. Pardon me. Identity trumps effort. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, in Christ, who's righteous? You can answer this. In Christ, who is righteous? John? John Gossett, what makes you righteous? Okay. Not your effort? You're a nice guy. You're tall, good-looking, athletic, you're fit. Apparently my check cleared. Right. It did. Yeah, yeah. we'll be installing the uh, new... Never mind. The John Gossett wing is, is uh, breaking ground on the John Gossett wing tomorrow. So. You're righteous because of Jesus. In fact, 1 Corinthians 5, 21 says that he who knew no sin, there's talking about Jesus, the one who knew no sin, never sinned. There was no sin in Jesus. Jesus never sinned. The one who never sinned became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive you and make you right, guess what? You are righteous. You are in right standing. You are accepted by God. Not by your effort. Not by your, the check you write. Not by your good looks. Not by your spiritual pedigree but by your faith in Jesus. That's it. That's it. James points out here that the prophet Elijah, by the way, I got all these sidebars today, but it, by the way, if, uh, if, you wanna, if you wanna come to Israel with us next year in October, we're gonna take you to where the prophet Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal, and you, you go to Mount Carmel, you go up in the top, and there's a little building there, you go on the top, you can see the valley of Armageddon, and you get to see Mount Tabor, and you see all these places, and, and we, we talk about how right on that spot there was this showdown between Elijah and the, the prophets of Baal, and how God defeated them. Elijah was this great, great, great prophet. But James says he was as human as we are. He was as human as we are, and yet he accomplished these Amazing things in prayer. James, James says, for example, he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall and none fell for three years. But do you know how the Bible records Elijah's earnest prayer? I want to read it for you. This is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, 
There will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. That's it. That's the only record we're given of Elijah's earnest prayer. His earnest prayer was, hey, king, the God who I serve, the one, the God that I worship, the God of Israel. He's not going to let it rain here for the next three years. No dew, no rain. That's it. That's an earnest prayer. Does that strike you as an earnest prayer? But it is because it's a prayer offered in faith by a righteous person. What makes us righteous is our faith in in God to make us clean, make us holy, forgive our sins, bring us to him. Prayer doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't. If you're tracking with me in the in the R&R journal in our in our weekly reading plan or daily reading plan, you'll have seen we're just in Nehemiah right now. And there's a couple of good examples of Nehemiah's. Short, earnest prayers. One is, is chap, found in chapter 6. He says, I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Now strengthen my hands. A four-word prayer, and God answers. It's an earnest prayer. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be flowery. It doesn't need to be in a nice, deep voice. Short and powerful sometimes. There's also a place for an entreaty, a season of prayer. A, a depth, a, a groaning. Possible elsewhere talks about this kind of inner groaning. There's a place for that too. The point is that faith and identity in Christ are what matter in faithful prayer. I'll tell one more little story. I think I've shared this before. We had a gal and she was in our small group, been diagnosed with a, a tumor on her pituitary gland, so a brain tumor, and she was terrified. She was so scared. Understandably, she said, I might die. Showed us uh, the doctor's report. You have this tumor. It's this size. And so it was, I had a number of new believers in our group. And I just said, this is a great opportunity to learn about prayer, you guys. So I explained. I read this passage. And I said, the Bible says when someone's sick, we should pray. Lord, do you want to be healed? Do you want to receive prayer for healing? Yes, I do. So we anointed her with oil. But because I, I kind of read the room. I deliberately did not do the praying. There was another guy, new Christian, just coming out of a terrible marriage situation and, and uh, pretty messy. And I, but he, his heart was right with God. His, his faith was in the Lord. I said, Jeff, I want you to pray for Lauren. Because I didn't want to think it was because the pastor prayed. So Jeff, this is a brand new Christian, prays for Lori, who's not yet a believer. And guess what? A month later, she disappeared for a month. She disappeared for a month. We didn't see her. Nothing happened. Oh, she comes back. She goes, I didn't want to come back until I got word back from the doctor. She goes, here's the new x-ray. It's gone. Here's the report. It says, no evidence of tumor. The, the, the point was that here you've got this baby Christian. It didn't matter, but his righteousness and his faith were effective and powerful. So if your faith is in Jesus, I'm just trying to give you the good news. That if your faith is in Jesus, your prayers are powerful. Don't say, well, we need the pastor to pray. We need, we need so-and-so to pray. Or we need, we need John to pray because I know John's really good at that. Listen, if your faith's in Jesus, your prayers are powerful and effective. Identity trumps effort. So don't be afraid to pray. Pray courageously. Be spe- as specific as you can be in prayer about what you're asking for. Have faith. Don't doubt. James said that earlier in chapter 1. Leave the results to God because God knows more what's going on. He's got the big picture in mind. So we leave the results to God. All right. James finishes this letter with just a shift away from prayer, but we need to touch on this before we wrap up today. 
verses 19 and 20 says, my brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Let me ask you this. When, when, a, when a Christian friend of yours or family member, whatever, wanders from the faith, how do you typically respond? How do you typically respond to them? Do you, do you just ignore it? Do you respect their choices, right? What if they've chosen a totally sinful lifestyle? What if they've abandoned the faith altogether? What if they said, I don't even believe in God anymore? What if it's a whole church or a whole institution that drifts away? Should you take action? Should you just kind of go along with it? What do you do? According to this, you take action. Okay? Let's be honest. We are all, as the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's, that's kind of in our nature. But if I were to drift in my life or in my teaching, I hope people would make the effort to catch me and not just watch my downfall, but to reach out and bring that. Worse, I hope they would not just adjust their beliefs. Oh, Brian believes this now, and it's not really in the Bible? Well, we'll go with Brian. It must be okay. I hope that you would seek to bring me back. I hope that you wouldn't just be a spectator. In fact, that's the last thing I want to say. When it comes to folks in your life, groups, institutions, whatever that you see drifting, be a rescuer, not a spectator. Be a rescuer, not a spectator. I don't know how surprised you are at this... um, Christy and team, why don't you guys come on up? We're going to sing one closing song here. Um, when you're watching the news and, uh, and, or, you know, Facebook clips or whatever, and there's somebody who's like getting beat up or some terrible calamity is happening, and how many people are just standing there with their phones and filming the whole thing? And you think, put your phone down and help the guy. Now, I do have to say, when it comes to film videos, I'm really thankful for the, for the cell phone because it provides lots of good entertainment. But... Um, you know, I really want to thank the skateboard, by the way, for every fail video out there. But, right, it's easy just to watch it happen and just stand back and see this calamity happen in, in real time. There's lots of spectators in the world, but not very many rescuers. Be a rescuer, not a spectator. Particularly if you see a friend or a loved one drifting. Now, there's lots of good ways to do that. You don't want to, you know driving further away in your efforts. You've got to be sensitive and, and wise about it. But listen, friends, if our faith is going to be active with this whole series that's been about faith in action, and if we're going to be active in our faith, let's take off those emotional masks. Let's let it go. Let's be real. Be authentic. Pray in faith, knowing that your identity is more important than your effort, your identity in Christ. And when you have the opportunity... Be a rescuer. We're going to sing a closing song, but as we do that, I just invite you to use this time to kind of um, just refresh your own confidence in the Lord. You know, refresh your own decision to have faith in Him. If you um, if you came with a physical need today, you would like to receive prayer for healing. I'd love to pray for you. Um, I've got the oil here. I'll pray for you and ask the Lord in faith for healing for you. If you've never come to that place where you've confessed your own sins, where you've turned your own life over to the Lord to receive His forgiveness and new life, today's a great day to do that. 
just very simple. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need I need saving. I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sin and you rose again. And I commit to to follow you all my days. If that's you, that that's your rebirth, that's your new start in Christ. And that makes you righteous in him.